BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Good morning, millennials. Welcome back to the Morning Toast. It is a beautiful Monday here in New York City, following a beautiful weekend here in New York City. And I'm here with Claude. How you doing? Hey, Jax. I'm doing good. Feeling all right for this Monday morning. I hope everyone had a fabulous weekend. I am just, you know, chugging along, trying um, to stay mentally stable, which is proving to be really hard. Yeah, it was definitely um, a challenge this weekend because it was so beautiful. Friday was one of my worst days mentally in quarantine. I just, uh, I don't know what to call it other than a complete and utter mental breakdown. Um, But I had a decent weekend. Saturday, I got up and out. Zach and I went all the way down to the West Village. We walked so much. Like my pedometer on my phone was like tweaking out. Like, what Mm -hmm. is she doing? Um, So that was good. My legs were broken. And yesterday I was able to lay out for a while while I read. I got a sunburn. Can you see? Wow. I got a sunburn. Damn. I got that vitamin D, which I've been reading is so important right now. It is. I've been taking vitamin D pills actually because I have no access to the sun. Like, I'm sure that that's good, but direct sunshine is always great. And so I was glad that I was able to get some sun, made it through another weekend in the queue. But as we get into spring, summer, like, it's just going to get harder and harder to not be outside. Yeah. And I'm actually curious if everyone at home is struggling so much, seriously, like, with their mental health. Like, I never really thought I was one of those people who, like, was prone to such, like, anxiety and mood swings. And, like, last night was a real, I was just, like, feeling so low, like, all day and then before I went to bed I like switched onto this high that was like so unnatural and I was like dancing and singing around my room and it really just made me think like that I'm going I'm going crazy like I I feel like after quarantine or I should probably start during quarantine like I'm definitely going to see like a licensed therapist because I'm having such bad anxiety such crazy mood swings like I don't know if that's normal just because I'm stuck inside my house because I don't remember feeling this way when life was back to normal but like I'm really like not okay no I completely agree um, and then I also start to get anxiety about the show because I'm like, am I being too not okay on the show? And then I start to have anxiety about everything that I said and like, that I just need to like pull my mask on tighter, you know? No, totally. Like shut the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, I'm good. It's great. I love quarantine. <laughs> no, totally. Like, I, and I feel like, I don't know. I know we're supposed to be like positive and stuff. And I feel like for the most part, like the show is like a nice hour a day where we're like funny and whatever. But sometimes like I just wake up and I feel so down 
Yeah, I think that that's normal because nothing about this is normal. Um, And you're not expected to be great all the time. I will say the beginning of the weeks in terms of the show are always more upbeat for me. By the end of the week, like I am just in a dark place. So today I feel light and sprite and um, and okay. And we actually have a lot to talk about today. I watched so much TV this weekend. I watched everything that I had said that I would. I watched Dead to Me. I finished Dead to Me. I watched Hollywood. I started Money Heist season four. I read the book for the Redheads, and that's about it. But that's a lot. Oh, I read a book too this weekend. I'm really on to like a reading kick. That's always how it happens for me. Like it's in spurts, and it's really only books by celebrities because that's my genre of choice. But I read Gary Gennetti's book, um, and it is just so funny. And so, I mean, he's a writer like at heart. So I don't like I expected. I had high expectations and they really met them. It was so funny. And like, it was more short essays and it was really like snackable, which is, you know, what I love to do, snack. And I really enjoyed it. Like I was hysterically laughing at so many things, like him taking the QE2 home from his program in London, like thinking that was cool, but it's actually a really weird thing to do. When they would sing happy birthday at the <laughs> yes. restaurant, like you don't understand how that spoke to my soul. Like I don't, I think I couldn't be a waiter or a waitress because I could not galvanize people to sing happy birthday for my table. No, totally. It was just, it was really well done and um, I enjoyed it a lot. So Jessica Simpsons is still, you know, on the back burner, but if I find something shorter before that, I will start it. But if not, I'll just do Jessica Simpsons next. I just know that like everything you're describing to me, your symptoms, like if I were a doctor, I would tell you to read Jessica Simpsons book. Like that's what I would prescribe. Well, I'm actually quite busy today, so I don't think I'll start reading today because we are recording a Patreon episode, and then I'm recording another Patreon episode with Margot, which is like a Taylor Swift-themed episode, which I'm really excited about, and then I have um, I have to catch up. I'm finally all caught up to the new season of Drag Race, the one that's airing right now, and there's so much drama. Like, I'll tell you all about it in the TV recap segment, so um, I'm excited about that. Also, I'm also excited um, because yesterday, um, Ben and I drove down to Times Square, which is somewhere I normally wouldn't go. Um, but there was this Spotify campaign that they asked me to be a part of and basically just like submit a picture and like a quote. And it was my impression that it was like an Instagram campaign. Like I didn't really think much of it. And then they sent me like this picture, you're on the billboard in Times Square. And I'm like, excuse me. So me and Ben took Ben. I got so many questions. They're like, you have a car, you rented a car. Like so many questions. We use Ben's parents' car, which like. But like, I don't get it. What's the problem regardless either? No, they were just like, it was, people weren't like trying to cancel me. They were just genuinely like shook. They're like, you have a car? It's like when you share so much about your life and then people find out something that they didn't know, they feel betrayed, you know? I feel like we've talked about Ben's car before though. I mean, it's Ben's parents' car. Um, they let us use it whenever they want, and they haven't used it in months because they're quarantined in the city as well. But we just went and picked it up and drove down to Times Square. Um, of course, my luck would be, you know, getting on a billboard when people aren't allowed to leave the house. So that's just like my life. That's my career kind of in a, in a metaphor, you know? Yeah. Well, at least you're on a billboard in Times Square. And you know what? You probably got fabulous pictures because you didn't have like so many people swarming about. Yeah, um, no, and I, I got to double park in a bus lane and nobody said a thing about it. Wow. That's beat. Claudia, that's beautiful. So that was awesome. Thanks Spotify for uh, hooking it up. Also, um, just a reminder, I have a comedy special coming out June 30th. It's available, available for pre-order on iTunes. You can tap the link in my bio on Instagram. It's called Disgrace Queen. And thank you all for ordering it. The numbers are in, the early numbers, and they're looking good. Oh, that's so exciting. I see that there's a Fachemin behind you. He looks beautiful as ever. Um, how is he, how is he doing? He's doing good. He's reached the point in quarantine where his hair is just out of control. And I've trimmed in areas that I can, like not to be gross, but the hair around his penis grows really fast. 
And when he pees, if the hair's really long, like it just gets dirty. It's a place you want, it's like pubes. Like you want to keep it clean. Um, but I'm so nervous to like put scissors near his penis. So I've been doing very small, like ear trims, belly trims, but it's gotten to a place that I can no longer handle. And of course his weekly, bi-weekly groomer is not doing appointments. So I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm ready to like shave him with a razor. Like the one that Ben uses, like a buzz cut. Okay, well, just let it grow. Like this is the lo- like, this is the longest his hair will ever be. At least you know, let him see how how long he can grow it. You yes, know? I mean, I don't know where my mental health would be if I wasn't like quarantined with Theo. And I was thinking a lot over the weekend. Like, of course, I'm so excited to get back to normal life, but I'm obviously gonna have to leave Theo at home alone. Like, he hasn't been alone in three months, and I'm like, I'm having a lot of separation anxiety, even though like. For New Yorkers, the quarantine doesn't even like seem to be really even close to being over. But I'm thinking about that moment when I have to leave him at home. Yeah, it'll be okay. I think by then, like he's gonna need some alone time. He has some things like he hasn't been alone at all. Like he can't go into the bathroom and lock the door and just like have a moment for himself. And so I think he's very much looking forward to that, like solitude. Yeah. I guess. I mean, that hurts my heart to think that he's like trying to get away from me. But um, it's okay. He's he's feeling he's feeling good. His spirits are high, and he's like. I think he's feeling this like weight and this burden on his shoulders because so much of my sanity, Ben's sanity, your sanity, like relies on the well-being of Theo. So he just wants- He's soaking up all of our emotions and it's a lot for him to carry. He needs to be the best version of himself, which um, is not always easy. Totally. I'm just like loving this sunburn because even though I'm so anti-sunburn and like if I usually had a sunburn, like I would never be showing you guys, but it's just a reminder- that I, Jackie Ashe, was in the sun. Like, no, it's that. a battle scar. No, it's like I'm just wearing it with pride. Like, I'm so excited that I have a sunburn. Sorry, it's a not new a sensation. Scar. It's a badge of honor. It's a, yeah, no, truly. I'm just loving um, it. Even though it's like patchy and not. No, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's, Jackie, that's beautiful. A lot of stuff happened over the weekend, actually. So, we do have a decent amount of stories along with a great TV recap segment. Oh my God, I've got so much for you guys in the TV recap segment. Like I finally sat down with my television. Oh, and I just want to say, I read the Redheads book. Um, it took me all of yesterday, but so I was still able to read it in a day, even though I really didn't plan on it. We're not recording till Wednesday. So like now I have to like, just try and keep it in my head. But I saw a lot of mixed reviews because there's a lot of different characters. It's confusing, which is why I chose it. Like I just needed us to all level up in terms of level of book yes exactly um and I've really liked it I obviously have a lot of thoughts but overall it kept me so interested and it's an interesting story with lots of twists and twists and turns and a lot of different characters I know people found that part confusing I didn't um but sometimes when you're confused you just need to keep reading and then eventually that part that you didn't get before will make sense afterwards so it's like Shutter Island I would 100% recommend that people read it. It's called The Glass Hotel, and the new episode of The Redheads is dropping on Thursday. Very exciting. Also, just a quick update in my life, like this is what my life has come to. I recently made the transition, as in recently on Friday, um, from the Amazon Fire Stick to the Apple TV. And I was an early adapter to the Apple Fire Stick. I have, I mean, the Amazon Fire Stick, I have like three in my house. Um, And it was just like, one day stopped working like it is the slowest piece of shit ever but at the end of the day it gets the job done even though you'll be watching hulu and then it'll be like sorry we decided to stop working and like you want to open hulu cool do you have 30 minutes to spare it's just like not a good thing um but it's like so cheap and it just i don't know i got comfortable with it but i finally 
made the splurge on an Apple TV in my bedroom. And wow, what if, what a superior platform, like the way it integrates with your phone. When you want to type something, all of a sudden this app comes out that you didn't even know. And it's like, Hey, want to type instead of use its remote. And it's just fabulous. The remote is really small and keeps getting lost in my blanket. And the fact that you have to charge it is annoying, but I'm so much happier with the, with the box. Um, one, you're preaching to the choir. Two, get a, th- a cover for your remote that's like a grip. That way it doesn't start, like, slide everywhere. It's a game changer. Three, you need to charge it once a year. Like, oh, really? It never, it never needs charging. Every once in a while, my thing's not working. I'm like, maybe it needs to be charged. I don't even know if that's the problem, but so I charge it. Oh, also, I gave myself a manicure this weekend, and I think it's been my most favorite manicure in the queue so far. Check it out. It's Ooh, all different. Pastel. I feel like my hands are just like Skittles. Like, I'm loving it and it's really improving. Like, look at these hands. Don't look at mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm feeling really great about that. I'm so happy for you. Okay, so I think it's time to just jump right in, you know, no time like the present. Right? Oh, sis, you're preaching to the choir. There's no time like the present to get into the fast side stories that you need to know before you wake up and take a bite out of your morning toast. And that's true, Jax, but if you would just allow me one minute to let the toasters know that today's episode is brought to you by Missouri. Missouri makes fine jewelry for every day. It's fairly priced, handcrafted, and ethically sourced. Missouri's mission is fine jewelry for my damn self. We may be going nowhere, but we're definitely getting dressed. Jewelry is one of the easiest ways to upgrade your work from home look, especially shoulders up. Think 14 karat solid gold staples, their light as air hoops, barely their chains, and everyday diamonds. They also have bolder pieces like chunky chains, ring stacks, You could take a trip to Paris with their croissant edition and experiment with sterling silver and white gold pieces. Their new items drop every Monday all year long. So if you're working from home, so is Missouri. You can book a digital one-on-one appointment and live chat with a stylist, get answers to all your burning questions like how can I style this? Can I mix metals? What's my ring size? And so much more. Wherever you are, Missouri stylists are here to help and you can get free shipping on US and Canada orders plus easy returns and a two-year warranty. Head to Missouri.com slash totes for 10% off your first order. That's M-E-J-U-R-I.com slash totes for 10% off your first order. Um, we love wearing Missouri, especially on the toast. It really elevates, you know, a pantless look. Um, and if you're taking Zoom calls all day and you want to impress that cutie from HR, get yourself a dainty chain or a cute oh, totally. earring. That's exactly what I need today. I'm so RDH that I didn't get my Missouri out before this because like now I'm realizing like that's what my look is missing. To compliment your sunburn for sure. Exactly. To just bring it out and like radiate sun. Totally. Okay, cool. Um, Okay. Our first story is the big story of the day. Uh, Bachelorette Hannah Brown apologizes after saying the N word on Instagram. Quote, there is no excuse. So here's the story. Hannah Brown has issued an apology for saying a racial slur on social media during a since expired Instagram live video. She wrote, I owe you all a major apology. There is no excuse and I will not justify what I said. I have read your messages and seen the hurt I caused. I own it all. I am terribly sorry and know that whether in public or private, this language is unacceptable. I promise to do better. She found herself in hot water on Saturday night when she repeated the N-word while singing the lyrics to Baby's hit single, Rockstar. Fans watching along caught the moment, immediately confronting her in the comments. And she said, I did, uh, seemingly surprised, according to the clips from the live. She said, I'm so sorry. No, I was singing. I'm so sorry. I really don't think I said that word. I don't think I said that word. But I'm like, oh, God, she continued. I'd never use that word. I'd never call anybody that. We don't say that word. So if you've seen the video, which you probably have by now, um, 
she apolog- like she realizes it in the video and she's like giggling and blaming it on her brother. Is her brother Patrick? And then, yeah, and then her poor friend Brooke. Like to me, what's so egregious about this whole thing is her reaction in the video and then her apology, like both of which we're not sufficient. And it's not on me to demand an apology from her because I'm not black, but like, I just see this as a person um, who comments on cancel culture and this is just not the way to do it. Yeah. Um, a lot, there's been a lot of conversation about this. And I think actually something I'm going to say positive that's come out of this is Rachel Lindsay went on Instagram live yesterday, um, really just doing an explainer 101 as to why white people can't use this word, say this word, or even sing this word. And I feel like Mm -hmm. some people, some people know that you can't sing the word, but they don't get why. And she did a fabulous job of explaining it, like so articulate um, to people who just like don't understand why white people can't sing that word. If it's in a song, then don't put it in the song. And like that word, that word has so much history, weight and cruelty and racism behind it. And it's like the least we can do is just not sing it. It's just not. And like, honestly, if you don't know that by now, like, what is you doing? Like, you cannot say that. And honestly, I felt really bad for Rachel Lindsay that it's like incumbent on her to like explain to all these people. It's like, leave her alone, leave her out of this. But at the same time, she's so well-spoken and she's so wise. And honestly, I feel like her video, which was very, very well-spoken, like might've explained to a lot of people who don't get it. Like, it's just a song. Might've explained to them why they can't say it. So like, as much as I hate that, like, she bears this responsibility. She did a really good job. She did a really good job. And I feel like the conversation has turned in, it's turned away from Hannah Brown and more into like, can she sing it? Can she not? And so Rachel was really speaking on that. And I feel like she did such a great job. She also went on her Instagram stories and, and told everyone to watch a video and also said at the end of the day, why are you fighting so hard to be able to say this word? Yeah. And that's that on that. Yeah. And also to me, what was so interesting about the Rachel Lindsay of it all was that Rachel came on and she was like, there was a million things Rachel could have done when, when speaking about this, but she said she took the route of like, instead of calling someone out, giving them an opportunity to learn, DMing Hannah. And she didn't say that exactly, but I got the vibe that she DMed Hannah and maybe wanted them to go live together and just talk about it. Explain Hannah could be like, I thought this. And then Rachel was like, actually, no, it's this. Um, and it's the vibe that I got. She didn't say in, in specifically, but I got the vibe that she turn down the opportunity to um, go live with Rachel or do something with Rachel, which I just thought was such a mistake. I mean, Rachel, there's, to be honest, like there's really no way out of a situation like this from a PR perspective. Like it is bad all around. But to me, Rachel Lindsay really offered her this like wonderful, teachable moment. Um, How you, it's, to be honest, like when it comes to cancel culture, it's not always about what you do. It's also about how you react. And to me, like, Hannah failed on all fronts. Like, what she did was terrible, and how she handled it was also terrible. Like, an Instagram story apology that disappears in 24 hours without really, I don't know, I just, I always think, like, how would I want someone who offended me to handle it? And that's not how I would want them to handle it. That story goes away in 24 hours, and that's just not, to me, that doesn't seem like she really cares. Yeah, or she just didn't think it was as big of a deal as it's becoming. You know, she thought that it would... Like, just like the news cycle, it would be gone in 24 hours. She doesn't need to put this on her feed forever, you know, and have that be there forever. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I totally, I totally agree. I didn't get the vibe necessarily that Rachel was going to go live with her, but I think Rachel's point was like, whatever platform you used to convey your offensive message, you must use the same one to apologize and make it right. And 
doing an Instagram story is not the same as doing an Instagram live. And she said, if you're brave enough to go on Instagram live and use that word, you should be brave enough to apologize for it on Instagram live. And I think that's a very fair point. Rachel Lindsay for president. I totally agree. I like, and, and it's so funny how people in the bachelor community, and I didn't even realize I did too. Like they just turn to Rachel Lindsay in most situations. Cause she's so wise. Like what does Rachel have to say? Like, I, I'll think what Rachel thinks because she's so smart. And I'm glad that she used it as an opportunity not to be like catty and call someone out, but like for genuine, um, like knowledge and just teaching people because the amount of people who are defending Hannah is like disappointing to Rachel and to everyone. Yeah. Um, and I think there were so many ways she could have went about speaking on this. And the way that she did was just chef's kiss. I totally agree. Um, I wonder if we'll hear from Hannah again. We'll keep you posted on that. Um, I hope but, we do. That was like, that is just not sufficient. Yeah, I would agree. So I feel like that's always kind of how it happens. Like you get like a first apology and then you get like backlash for the apology. So then you do like, another bigger apology you yeah. know yeah i mean this is just bad yeah no bueno it's bad especially for a girl who like aside from you know having a called off engagement which is just like she was you know america's sweetheart victim like for a girl who's squeaky clean like right universally beloved from the second she stepped on the scene like you get used to that kind of praise and of course, canceling someone is bad, but like to go from such a high high to a very low low, like that just, it's not good. No, it's not. Okay, this next story I'm so interested by, it was all the talk of the toasters last night, um, the Call Her Daddy podcast. Yes. Call Her Daddy podcast hosts have quote turned on each other and insider says to page six. Okay, so this past weekend, page six, they've been kind of following this story. They're really the only ones I think like someone's giving them information, reported a story that Alex and Sophia from Call Her Daddy, as we all know, they stopped doing their podcast about five weeks ago, leaving a trail, like free the fathers. Um, also, I'm obsessed with them. So I've just been like following this. I'm also obsessed with like podcast news and like a female duo. They're so funny. I love their friendship. I just like feel personally invested in this story. So then this weekend, it came out that Alex and Sophia are like, butting heads and that was a twist that i did not see coming then last night dave portnoy dropped an episode on the call her daddy podcast feed explaining what's been going on from his point of view and while like he said no one's ever called him a liar like he's definitely a lot of things but he's not untruthful um so i i believe what he's saying i also think there's a lot of like perspective and context from the other side that we're probably not getting yeah, I also think quickly that this New York Post article was probably filled with a lot of misinformation because Page Six isn't exactly known for their truth telling. And the woman who wrote this article has like a vendetta. I remember there was like this whole yes. drama about a photo shoot last year. Like this woman hates to call her daddy girls. So I just think it's important to keep that in mind. And I'm obviously taking the side, no matter what, of the female podcast duo just because that's me. Um, but I just feel like there's definitely some truth in this article, but I definitely feel like a lot of it is fake. That's what I'll say. 
Okay. Well, they had a lot of like, what seems, what Dave said was like truthful information about, you know, Sophia's boyfriend kind of shopping around the show, Wondery offering them a deal. Apparently a lot of that was true. Um, but I'm it sure it's filled, I'm sure it's filled with things that aren't true. Right. So then Dave started just giving spitting numbers and he basically said, well, first of all, what I found interesting is that Alex and Sophia were not paid the same up until now. Sophia was paid a little bit less, but Dave explained that like he found the podcast through Alex. Alex did all of like, you know, the communication, bringing it to Barstool. Um, as far as he knew, Alex was doing all the editing. And this was where it started to get sad for me because like, I just feel like as a podcast duo, like you and I, there are some podcasts where it's like the host and then the sounding board. But I feel like if you listen to their show where you watch their YouTube videos or their Instagram stories, like even though one of them might do a little bit more work sometime, like they are really a duo. And even like an Alex show on her own would be good. A Sophia show on her own would be good. Like the two of them together, like something magical happens. Like, I feel like it's the same thing with you and I, like there's something about our dynamic that people just enjoy. And I, they have that same thing going on. So to hear that they, one, weren't being compensated the same, like made me understand why maybe later now Sophia like didn't come back to the table. And two, made me realize like that that was never a good thing for a partnership. You have to be 50, yeah. 50, or it's just like a host. And then the producer who chimes in. Yeah, and and so when the, their contract with Barstool was up, when their podcast stopped was not up, was not up. There, so that's what I had thought too that they were like their contract was up. They were about to renegotiate. That's what I assumed. That's why I thought mm -hmm. they stopped recording episodes. Their initial contract was three years, and they just decided that they wanted to renegotiate because obviously the show is so big and they wanted more money. They wanted the IP for the show. They wanted more, and you know what? So Dave actually lets he said that in every episode that they're not doing, they are losing $100,000 per episode. So I did a little quick math. In just ad revenue alone, the show makes over $5 million a year. Yeah. He told us that the final offer that he offered Alex and Sophia, which was honestly, when you listen to it from Dave's perspective, is very generous. They very much came to the table, was half a million dollar guarantee each, which is a lot of money. Yeah. But for a show that makes over $5 million a year and it's the, it's all on their backs, they don't even go into the office. They probably just send in their episode. They, I don't, what's a little quick math. They're making a fifth together. So they're making a 10th separately. You, you want to have like more skin in the thing that you own. I mean, of, of course. And as two people who run a podcast network, have a successful podcast and know a lot of the numbers behind it, their show is much bigger than ours. If they were on their own, got a, Oh, not a part of like a company, just got a regular podcast deal and we're selling ads and doing merch and maybe going on tour. They could each easily be raking in $5 million each. So I understand like being upset, like being on salary and just like having to be, a, and, and to be honest, like I, Barstool totally gave them their start. Um, but I don't even really feel like their audience is like that type of people anymore. It's like college girls and they're like, I mean, I'm on TikTok all the time and they're always doing like call her daddy stuff. Like it's really reached this new group of people and this new audience beyond the Barstool huge audience. And I don't know if they could have gotten there without it, but I understand the frustration of being like, we are sitting on a diamond. Yeah, no. And like they exceeded all expectations. Barstool has a ton of podcasts. Um, I think Call Her Daddy is either number two and probably sometimes number one when it's a, when it's a crazy titled episode, you know? Yeah. Um, and so you have to know your value. And I feel like so many people are 
calling them greedy and like they should have, you know, you don't bite the hand that feeds you. And it like, it just makes me feel defensive. Like, would we be saying this if they weren't like just two young women? women? Yeah. No. Oh my no. God. Be like, they're entrepreneurs. Those two men. They Give them the respect they deserve. Oh my God. Totally. And so, well, I also thought that it was the end of the contract. That does change things a little bit. But for me, it's like, honestly, I can't say that I wouldn't do the same. Yeah. I just feel like, um, shit, what do I feel like? <laughs> I don't even remember anymore. Um, so no, I don't know. I, I heard where Dave was coming from. And I think ultimately the deal that he offered them in the end, they probably should have taken, but now it has turned into like, Alex wants that deal. Sophia didn't. So Alex took that deal. The deal that Dave initially offered them was each half a million dollars, 50%, 50-50 in everything. At the end of one year, they can walk away with their show, um, which is a great deal. Yeah. Alex wanted it. Sophia didn't. Alex went to Dave and said, like, I want this deal. So she wound up with 75% of it. And now if Sophia comes back, she would only get 25%. And that's that's not going to work. No, that's not going to work. So now all. Dave was like, we're going to maybe give Alex her own show. And if Sophia wants her own show, we'll give her one too. But like, I just wish that I just want, I need need them to talk to each other. Like girls, you, you, all you have is like in this business, like you have each other, like what you have is so special. I I don't know much about the history of their relationship, but like, I can just, their friendship is so sweet. So many people just like look at them and, and love the friendship that they have. They're so funny. The show is, is magic because of the two of them together. And I understand maybe sometimes it feels like Alex does more work. Um, or like Sophia, you know, it's just, and also the Sophia boyfriend thing was like a lot of drama. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure there's contentious things, but in order for it to like work the way it has, it needs to be 50, 50. You guys need to have that respect for each other and just talk to each other. Stop going through page six, stop going through Sophia's boyfriend, stop going through Dave, please talk to one another because like, if it's you two against the world, your podcast will be fine. No, they are so strong together. And them being on different pages, which they're entitled to, but they have to like represent a strong front because they're literally sitting like on a gold mine. Like they don't even know because they've been a part of our school. But if they put that year in, make more money than they were making before, and then are able in a year to walk away with their entire show and shop it around to podcast networks, like, oh my God, they will be so rich. Like, I just, I don't know what their focus is. Like, are they focused on money? Are they focused on fame? Because if you're focused on money, you got to put in the year and then get the fuck out. But if they're focused on like fame, I'm sure they, there's a lot of benefits about being a part of like Stooley Nation. Like there's tons of benefits. Like I totally get that. I need to know what their goals are. What's their focus? Yeah. yeah and now that I think about it, like I think the answer for them, cons- it, uh, hoping that they like what they do and they like each other, like would be to make the show work. But I don't know, maybe it's Alex like going off and doing her own thing and maybe she becomes like, major I don't know I don't know either I also just want to know if like maybe it's not even true that they're on according to Dave like they they they're coming to the table with different things and I think a lot of the dissension at least what Dave said and you have to take it with a grain of salt is from Sophia's boyfriend who's been acting like Mm -hmm. a manager shopping around the show telling Sophia what to do getting lawyers involved um and also I think Dave just like has a gripe against him because he worked for HBO Sports and they did a documentary that was unflattering. I can't keep up. I mean, the thing is, is that while their contract wasn't up and Dave still offered to slightly renegotiate, like to me, that's a win. They stood up for themselves. They knew their worth. They got more. And then they got the opportunity at the end of the year 
to take their show. So to me, it's like they stood up for themselves and they got what they wanted. Dave didn't have to give them more money. Legally, they have to keep doing, doing the show. Like he didn't have to even communicate with them. But you no. know what? Dave Portnoy respects female entrepreneurs. Honestly, that's not really what it was. Dave oh. Portnoy needs cash now to pay his employees during coronavirus. And due to the pandemic, it actually worked in their favor where it's like he wanted them to just start doing episodes again so they could get that $100,000 yeah. per episode and he could pay his employees. So the pan like, I don't know if they would have ever gotten this opportunity if there wasn't a global crisis right now. So Damn. you just got to take the, the moment. You got to take the win sometimes. Oh no, I wonder what's going to happen. I just, like, I don't know if anyone here is like close personal friends with that, the girls or if they will ever catch this, but all I would just want to say to them is please talk to each other and get on the same page and you will be okay as long as you guys are together. A united force is the most important thing here because homegirls, you are sitting on a gold mine. Put in a year. Put in a year! But also in order for the show to work like it has been, you guys have to be 50-50. Completely. And if, and if one of you needs to be doing more work, give her more work or, or delegate, 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 communicate. To, they live together. Like what they're going to live together again after this. No, they're going to have to move. Like it just. Well, they're quarantined separately for now. Well, first they were together and then they both went home, I guess. This is too much tea. I mean, my, my opinion on this has changed because this whole time I thought that the contract was up. And they, if the contract was up, they should 100% just like take their show somewhere else. They could be making four or five times the amount. And even though they might not be able to take the name, call her daddy, they'll start a new show. Call me. Yeah, it, was, it doesn't matter. It was, it was, it was going to be called The Fathers at Wondery. Whatever. Like it really doesn't matter. I'm sure to them it seemed like a big deal to like lose the name of their show that they spent a year building, but it's, it's the morning breath 2.0. Like it seems like a big deal. And then a year in retrospect, you're like, nobody cares. Like you have the audience and that's all that matters. So if the contract was over, I would have said run. But now I'm, this is the first time hearing that it wasn't over. They just demanded more money and they ended up using the global pandemic to their advantage. And they should have just taken that deal 50, 50 and ran. But now that Alex is on board with Barstool, Sophia's not, I'm not entirely sure what's going on. I know. I think they might have overplayed their hand a little bit. And yeah. um, and I think in order for it, like, it to work, like, so Alex needs to now give Sophia back that 25% that she gained in going alone. Yeah. Or they'll just have two separate shows and, it, and it'll really just, the cream will rise. But like, there's, it's so hard to do a podcast by yourself. And when you have that impossible. partnership, it's, in, uh, yeah, it's impossible, period. But like, when you have a partner that like makes you better, makes you funnier, you know, and knows your whole life story. And like, it just, they're magic together. You got to bring back the girls. I just can't believe that like this podcast story became like such worldwide news. It's so exciting. as like a podcast host, a podcast network. Like I'm just excited that people are excited about this, you know? Me too. But like, it makes so much sense. Like this should be an even bigger story. Only page six is writing about it. But like this podcast is like, has broken so many records of podcasting. And like the, just these two girls with their like, welcome to slut camp, like are just taking over the charts. And as a female podcast host, like I'm just so proud of them. And, and I only want the best for them. I want the, I truly want the best for them. Yes. Interesting. Okay. We'll keep you guys posted on that story. Um, I hope we reach a resolution soon um, because I think Daddy Gang could really use some new episodes in the queue. Totally. You know? Um, Even though this wow. is really not the best time for podcasts. No, it's a great time to be a web show. It is. Okay. Ready for our next story? Yes, ma'am. 
Megan Fox was seen with Machine Gun Kelly as her husband, Brian Austin Green, shares a cryptic post on her birthday. Living. Living for this. Megan Fox was spotted driving around and picking up food in Calabasas with rapper Machine Gun Kelly on Friday. Both Fox and the rapper have been cast in Midnight in the Switchgrass, although production on the film has been halted due to the coronavirus pandemic deadline previously reported. Um, This is just an editor's note from me. I think this might be the same movie that Randall Emmett was working on because he was working on a movie with Machine Gun Kelly when it had to go and be paused. So like that would just be an exciting reality TV tie-in. A rep for Machine Gun Kelly did not immediately respond to people's requests for comment. One day after the outing, her husband, I guess, if he's still that, shared a cryptic message on social media, which coincided with Megan's birthday. He said, eventually butterflies get bored sitting on a flower for too long. They start feeling smothered. It's a great big world and they want to experience it. Listen, Brian, true about brother? Brian Austin Green. Brian Austin Green and Megan Fox are the messiest fucking couple in Hollywood. Like, it's always something with them. I've always thought that they were mismatched. And I never really understood it, but I think that they have kids. And for the sake of the kids, like, they tried to make it work, even though that, in turn, made them the messiest couple in Hollywood. I am a Machine Gun Kelly stan. I think that he's one of the most eligible guys in Hollywood right now. And I'm living for this pair. Like, they look alike. They're perfect vibes. They're tattoos. They're both good looking. Like, she's a little bit of a cougar. I'm living. Living for this. No, I am so here for this as well. Um, I hope that like Brian Austin Green just like get out goes away, gets out the way, um, so that we can properly ship these two. Yes, I love like an onset romance that always enhances a franchise. It it enhances a film. It enhances completely. And I am just so excited about this potential. Hopefully there is definitely something there. If they're spotted during quarantine, that means they're definitely more than just friends, I have to assume. Um, and then I could just see like Megan Fox hanging out with Pete Davidson. Like I just see so much potential here. I see it all. I see it all. And I'm so excited about it. Yeah, me too. I just thought that was like a fun, a fun new couple. It's really crazy how like celebrities and their coupledom are just chugging along better than ever in quarantine. You know, like Anna de Armas and Ben Affleck like really got their start in the queue. They just did not let like the pandemic stop them from stepping out and about. Um, and like a lot of couples now are just like deciding now's the time. And I'm, I'm honestly grateful for it because it um, gives us stuff to talk about. And totally, we get new couples to ship. Yes, this is my ship is truly coming in. I'm at the yacht house, whatever they call it, the dock, and I'm the just port, the it, pier, the pier, and it's the ships coming in, and that's that makes me really grateful. Yeah, I love to watch the ships come in. It's okay. one of my favorite activities. Next story is a little sad news. Fred Willard, best in show comic actor, has died at the age of 86. Fred Willard, the comic actor who delighted audiences in beloved films like This Is Spinal Tap and Best in Show over his more than 50-year career, died Friday at age 86. He died of natural causes, his family confirmed. Okay, well, this is like a Jerry Stiller. You know, it's very sad, but at the same time, someone had a long, happy, successful life and died of natural causes. Like, it's a celebration of life. It's all you can hope for. Yeah, but, you know, they always say, like, celebrities die in threes, and it's so true, because Jerry Stiller, and then yesterday, did you hear a terrible story? Mark Maron's um, girlfriend, who's a director, died because she just recently got ill, and now Fred. Yeah, that was a terrible story. Terrible. Mm -hmm. But it's, they say it happens in threes. I guess, I hope this is the third and final, then. Yeah, very sad. Um, 
but Fred Willard, one of my favorite characters from Modern Family, Phil's dad, and it was honestly such a perfect casting. They look exactly they look like, like yeah, they do. That's yeah, so and he funny. Was so funny. Yeah, that's great. We're wishing his family well. Rest in peace, a Rest comedy in legend. Peace. Okay, fifth and final story is a little biz news (laughs) Um, and the biz news is brought to you by stamps.com for all of our sakes we need to avoid crowds any way we can right now but what if you need to go to the post office what if you need postage to ship out letters and packages don't worry stamps.com is here to help with stamps.com you can print postage on demand and skip those lines and crowds at the post office plus you can actually save some money with discounts that you can't even get at the post office as if that wasn't enough, Stamps.com also offers UPS services with discounts up to 62% and no UPS residential surcharges. Honestly, regardless of whether or not there's a pandemic, going to the post office is a treacherous activity and you can avoid it during the pandemic and then hopefully after the pandemic with Stamps.com. They bring all the services of the U.S. Postal Service right to your computer in the safety and comfort of your own home, office, or anywhere else you are hunkering down. Whether you're a small business sending invoices, an online seller shipping out products, or you're just working from home and need to mail something, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail. Anywhere you want to send. Once your mail is ready, just leave it at your mail carrier, schedule a free package pickup, or drop it in a mailbox. No human contact is required. It's that simple. And with stamps.com, you can get great discounts too, like five cents off every stamp, up to 62% off shipping rates. Stamps.com is a no-brainer, especially now saving you time and money and keeping you safe in these crazy times. Right now, our listeners can get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in toast. Again, that's stamps.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in toast. Stay safe, my friends, with stamps.com. Love it. Okay, our fifth and final story, a little biz news, tech news, merger news. Facebook is buying, what's their new company? Giphy, Jiffy. Oh, interesting. Yes, Facebook is buying Giphy Jiffy, and that means how you send and receive gifts GIFs on the internet could change forever. The pronunciation is just still unclear, so I'm going to say it both ways. No, I mean, according to many scholars, GIF. it is it is. GIF. Yeah. But according to normal people, it's GIF. Right. And according to me, it's GIF GIF. The service claims that more than 700 million people see Giffy Jiffy content every day. And many of those views come from some of the internet's most popular apps, from Apple's iMessage to TikTok and Twitter, most of which rely on Giffy Jiffy's API and archives to let users share and post GIFs. It's likely that at least some of these services won't want to have a Facebook-owned platform integrated with their products moving forward. So um, this could mean big changes for any non-Facebook-owned platform that currently had a Giffy Jiffy integration. Right. That's like when Facebook bought Instagram and you can no longer send your Instagrams to Twitter. It would populate as a post, but now they populate as a link and it's the most annoying thing ever. It was like one of the like woadiest game changes of all time. It was a cultural reset. Yeah. No, it was. And that was really the end of Twitter. Yeah. I mean, to me, I use Gippy Jiffy um, on Twitter a lot, but I really use it um, on Instagram stickers because that's how you can upload stickers. So if you're looking for some fabulous stickers, go to Instagram and search in the Jiffy Giphy. TMT, Toast, Ashra, you can search a million things, the Morning Toast. We have some fabulous new GIFs that we just made, so check them out. 
check them out. Yeah, I mostly use Giphy Jiffy on Instagram stories as well. And so that probably will only get more integrated now that Facebook has purchased them. Yeah, Facebook is making good moves, honestly. I think that Giphy Jiffy is a fabulous company. They've been around for a really long time. Like when I was interning at like Huffington Post, it was such a big part of your job. And it's really become this like huge database and made like GIF culture a thing. Totally. I'm happy for the people at Giphy Jiffy who are, you know, getting a buyout and it's very exciting for everyone. I, I think this is a great move. My like goal is just to get bought out. Like I just love like an easy no. payday, you know? No, I know. It's just like, I like, keep trying to invent stuff. I'm like, Look, or it's a scrunchie wrapped around Aquaphor. Can I have $700 million, please? Or you got to go public one or the other. Yeah. IPO season. Mm-hmm. Or you got to get bought, go public. Go private again like Tesla. Get bought again. Do it all again. Get fined. Totally. Okay, so those okay. are the five stories. Um, now it's time for TV recap. I have so much to recap today. Most of it you've already seen, so you can um, let me know your thoughts now, all the stuff that I missed. Dead, right, to me season, Dead to Me season two. Ultimately, so good. I love the way it's set up the end. It's just like the first season. I love Ben and um, Christina Applegate. Like I ship them so hard, but she murdered his brother. What's a girl going to do? I don't know. That's the biggest problem. It's like, they really mess with you because you're so like, you're their number one champion. Like you just think they both really need each other, but she did kill his brother, like in cold blood. So that's in cold blood. It's not even like Judy who accidentally killed her husband. So he, she can still be Christina's best friend. Um, I will say, like, every time I was watching the show, I just had, like, an unidentified pit in my stomach. It just is very anxiety-inducing, like, to put yourself in those shoes of these women whose, like, lives are about to come crashing down around them. And all I'm thinking is, like, don't be suspicious. Don't be don't suspicious. Be suspicious. And so it's it's pretty anxiety-inducing, but it's a very well-done show. Um, I cannot stand Judy. Like, she is a riptide, and ultimately, like, everything – works out because she's a good person but like she's a moron yeah when she kept the letter from christina applegate and hid it under her bed so the kid could find it and the kid reads i forgive you for killing my husband the kid didn't know that judy was the one who killed his dad like how dumb are you judy burn the evidence she's so so dumb it's honestly frustrating to watch um but you yeah, know what, her, Christina shut her mouth. Christina's smart enough for the both of them, so it's not like I'm just watching like dumb people who aren't going to the cops. I think ultimately the way it all turned out was really great. I'm glad that Christina got away with it, and for now, yeah, it it, it was enjoyable. I I it's a great show. Yeah, and honestly, James Marsden, like, really looked so different. He definitely gained, like, 15 pounds, but he grew out his hair, and he, like, they looked like twins, obviously, but they didn't look like the same person. No, like, I wasn't thinking, oh, this is Steve. No, for a second I was. I'm like, thank God he's not dead. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, but the whole time I wasn't reminded of Steve. I was just like, oh, it's James Marsden being the lovable James Marsden that I love. Yeah, also, I, like, loved the weird flashback to when she went to City Hall, and the guy who tried to assault her in his garage was, like, weirdly on the board. Yeah, that was weird. Um, but I, everything was just coming full circle. Also, Judy's um, new girlfriend, I don't know the name of the actress, but I just like have Piper so Parabo. N- she looks like the girl from Coyote. That's not what I was going to say. Oh, oh my gosh. She was reminding me so much of Nora from Cheaper by the Dozen. Oh, no. She was in 90210, and she oh. was so um, 
she was such a villain. Like she, she was so deceitful. She like conned Liam. I forget exactly what she did, but whenever I see her face, I'm like, oh my God, shit's going down. Like do not trust her. But she was trustworthy. She was trustworthy. I don't even remember what she did. I just remembered like, do not trust her. You just remember feeling betrayed by her. I did. I did. And like Liam, just justice for him, you know? I'm so glad you watched it. I started the new season of Drag Race. So I'm finally all caught up with where we are now. The finale is on Friday. So I really want to get all caught That's up. That's so, so exciting. I, can get- I know. Like, it's just great timing. But there's so much tea this season. Like, they now have a disclaimer before every episode. It's like a little black and white statement saying, one of the contestants, Cherry Pie, has been disqualified according to, you know, a statement she released. Um, but out of respect to the queens and all the work put into it, we're still going to air the season as planned. Um it's crazy because Sherry Pie is, before I knew what she did, like one of my favorite drag, one of my favorite queens. Like she's so talented. She has this like, very witty, smart, like they all did like a sports theme where like they all came out looking like basketball players, but she came out looking like Miss Trunchable with her um, javelin throw. Like she's just like, she's on, my, she's my vibe, but turns out she's insane and we can't stand her. Um, but so then I looked into it because I'm like so delayed on all the drama. And basically when she got announced, as a cast member, there was a ton of backlash, like five or six people spoke out saying, uh, we know this person, um, they like s- pretended to be a casting director and made us all like Skype with him and send him weird videos, get naked, like masturbate on camera. And once that all came to light, Mama Roo was like, absolutely not. And he had to release a statement. He's been disqualified, but he's still a part of the season. Like, it's so weird. Like he's getting judged, but I think he makes it really far. Um, but he's just irrelevant, but he's on so much airtime. It's like so frustrating to like give your time and attention to this person who's no longer a part of the competition. Yeah. I remember when that happened, but I didn't realize it was a character who really had so much potential. Oh, like he was top five. I mean, I don't know how far he gets because I'm only like four episodes in, but he definitely had the potential to win. Damn. I mean, is the finale like later than the rest of the show? Yeah, they do a live finale usually at the Ace Theater in LA. And it's like so fabulous. They have like a reunion. They bring everyone back. It's live TV. But it's my understanding they're doing a virtual live according to Michelle Visage's Twitter. That makes sense. Well, cool. That's exciting for you that you'll be all caught up in time for the finale. Yeah, like I just really want to be a part of the dialogue, you know? And it's annoying because it airs on Fridays. So I'm going to have to wait till Mondays to like recap. Oh, that is annoying. Yeah. Um, what do you think about Hollywood? Okay. I ultimately loved it. I just, I watched half before I went to sleep and then I just like woke up thinking about it and just like invested in the characters and what was going to happen. And so I I loved like from overall, I loved it. Of course I had issues with it. Most of it being like, and I realized that we said on this show when we were reporting that the show was coming out, we said that it was, you know, sort of, um, I don't know, there's a word for it, like fantastical, like, like, uh, that guy does, Quint in Tarantino, uh, like in Glorious Bastards. Yes, where everything goes the way that you want it to go. But there's a difference between um, saying that like Hitler was killed during the war, which everybody knows that he wasn't, versus this movie that comes out and Hollywood's doing the right thing and everyone's winning awards. And I'm like, the whole time I'm like, it was Meg Eve a real movie? Are these real actors? Like, but I know that Rock Hudson is a real person. So they're using real historical things and coupling them with, you know, obviously elements, utopian elements that they want to be true. But I think it's like historically misleading because here I am, if I didn't do research afterwards, I would be like, wow, 1950s Hollywood, so progressive, but that's just not the case. And so while I love this show, I really do think that when you're going to use some real people and then make it not true, there needs to be a disclaimer at the end that explains what actually happened. Like that Rock Hudson 
lived in the closet his entire career. I assumed that he was out the whole time until I, until I looked into it. Right. So like, unless you do your own research and by the way, you have to like, you have, it's incumbent on some publication to write up the truth. Otherwise. Well, magazine is where I read it. Right. So if they don't even do that writing, like how are we expected to know what actually happened? And I don't want to remember history in a way that it wasn't, you know, I want to enjoy right. the show, but like, I don't want to think something was better than it was, you know? Right. And then it totally like delegitimizes the experience of like black Asian female actors in Hollywood who work tirelessly for equality and still don't have it. Yeah. It just, and so I don't want to say, like, I think the show overall is so good. And, like, if you understand the history of Hollywood in and out and you know that a movie named Meg was never made with a um, a Black writer starring a Black actress and they all won every single award for it. And a half Asian director. Right. It, so if you understand the whole history and then you watch that, you're like, wow, it's, it's you know, it's just like understanding World War II and then watching Inglorious Bastards. It's like, oh, I wish. But yeah. when you don't know that much about it and you're watching it and it's just you're you know that some of the elements are true, so you don't know which ones aren't true. It's just not, I just can't, I don't, just don't think it's good to remember things not as they were. Yeah, no, and it's okay to like make a utopian scenario, but to not give context at the end or, it was, I agree, it was very misleading. I didn't realize that it was quite possibly true until they changed Roy's name to Rock Hudson. I'm like, oh wait, is this real? Yeah. And I know that some of it was based on the book about the gas station. The gas station was real. I don't think Ace Pictures is a real thing. Um, a lot, like I've never heard of Jack Costello. I don't think he's not a real guy, but you had to like do all this research and which is fine. I just, some people don't do the research. And there they are thinking like 1950s America, we're just giving out all these Academy Awards to people of every different background. And that's just not true. Like we, the country wasn't that great. No. Totally. It still isn't. Yeah. So. Um, I agree. That's a very, very poignant explanation. But ultimately, I absolutely loved the show. Um, I love Laura Harrier. I think she's so absolutely stunning. She was so beautiful as Camille Washington. The casting when was When she just, won the Oscar. I just. The casting was so on point. I really. Once it got good and it took a few episodes to get into it, I never wanted it to end. And, you know, I love that it was all happy ending, happy ending, happy ending, because that's all we ever really want. But, like, not at the expense of, like, the... History. Hi- yeah. Totally. So, But I, I ultimately, I loved it. I'm so excited for, obviously, season two. Where, what's gonna... What, what did they get greenlit? Is it season two? Like, it, it felt like at the end, it, it, it opened it up for season two, because they had... Oh, well, they, like... They're just He's making the make movie. Oh, they're, no, no, no. They, they were on set for the movie about the gas station. Because because oh, right. Archie's writing what he knows, so which which would be like his story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just, and it really, they tied it up at the end. Like everyone had a partner. Like it was great. Yeah, it, it was so, so cute. Claire Wood and Jack Costello were like so cute and they actually loved each other even though like he fucked, he her, fucked mom. her mom. And I, you know what? I had honestly forgotten that he fucked her mom. Yeah, and I think it was okay. Yeah, she said it was okay. I loved um, Avis Amberg. Oh, Patty Lapone. Rob Reiner came around. I get so confused between Patty Lapone and Patty LaBelle. Is Patty Lapone? I think. Okay, yeah. No, she was icon, iconic. Iconic. Everything about it was so good, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Then I watched started season four of Money Heist, and I have to say. Um, maybe it's because I accidentally skipped through the previously on. So I was a little lost, 
but that's, not, like, that's the worst. And they don't let you go back. No, there was no way. I was like, reset. I, I couldn't go back. Um, but it's just not as good as the other seasons for some reason. I, I don't know why. Yeah. It's good still. And, you know, it's, it's like a interesting story of like how they're just going to fox one another. And every time the professor comes up with something or the, the FBI comes up with something, it's always like, they're so smart. Um, but it's just not as good. Oh, you know what else I watched? There's this documentary on Netflix. Um, I forget what it's called. It's all about psychedelics. And they get um, like a ton of celebrities sharing their experience doing like mushrooms, acid, like LSD. And it's very funny. And they have crazy celebrities. Like they got Ben Stiller, Sting, um, Anthony Bourdain. Um, and it was really funny. And it was like a, a new wave PSA about like drugs it's like they were kept flashing back to like this is your brain this is your brain on drugs but actually like um psychedelics are used in a lot of like clinical trials for mental health and like there's just all this new information on it and it was people like sharing their experiences and then also giving tips like do not ever drive after taking lsd like you will forget how to drive try and stay out of the city don't ever look in a mirror like it was very very funny and very well done and i imagine if you're watching it while on psychedelics like the colors were crazy like it was like all these like kaleidoscope vibes it was made for someone like on drugs and it was actually really funny oh that's so cool yeah so if you want to do drugs check it out (laughs) nice well okay i feel thoroughly recapped hopefully i'll have a chance to finish money high season four this week but now that i'm like back in the reading swing of things um we'll see but i also have so much to do today like you could see i took the sheets off my bed um i gotta wash my sheets Also, for those who have been following, Olivia is going to be on New York One today talking about her petition. If you haven't signed it yet, it's in the Morning Toast Instagram bio. Um, Just fighting for the rights of antepartum women. So if you live in New York, check it out. Yes. Love it. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Morning Toast, the Millennial Morning Show, where we go live Monday through Friday, 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time on YouTube. So if you're watching us on YouTube, please feel free to subscribe and give this video a thumbs up. We're also available as a podcast anywhere podcasts can be found. So that's Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Public Radio, I, Radio, CastBox, all the places. Wherever you listen to podcasts, find us the Morning Toast. Leave a five-star review about a beautiful, stunning, and smart we are. We love you guys. We'll see you tomorrow for Tuesday. See you tomorrow. Bye.